So as I said at the beginning of the service today, we are uh, in the second week of the series that we've been calling Follow. And what we're doing is we're studying what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And in fact, we already talked about that last week a little bit, that discipleship is really all about being more like Jesus. That's what it means to be his disciple. And uh, in fact, we looked at Ephesians 4.15 that says we must become a mature person. And again, it's not talking about, you know, just becoming a mature human being. It's talking about becoming spiritually mature. In fact, so much so that it says we grow and we become like Jesus. Now, that's pretty amazing to think about, isn't it? Becoming like Jesus. Uh, do you know what that is, that, that little plant that you can see just barely sticking out of the, 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 um, the seeds and things on the ground? You know what that is? That is a giant sequoia tree. Now, I know it doesn't look much like a giant sequoia tree, but it is a giant sequoia tree. And so we may not look much like Jesus right now, right? But we are children of God. We are disciples. We were made disciples in our baptism just like we saw happen uh, this morning for these two little guys. And uh, even though we're, we might be small, we're still disciples. And in fact, if we keep growing, eventually, that's what we're going to become, right? The giant sequoia that starts this big, if you wait long enough, and if it keeps growing enough, it becomes this huge, immense tree that can literally be hundreds of feet tall. That's God's plan for us, that, that one day we will be like Jesus. But now, we are growing towards it, and that's what's important. And we talked about what it means to be a disciple is not only to worry about our own personal growth, but we are to be disciples that make disciples. In other words, we are charged with not only growing ourselves to be more like Jesus, but with helping others grow to be like Jesus too. That's what being a disciple is all about. Being a disciple means being like Jesus and helping others be more like Jesus as well. That is our mission. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about the people in this picture. Now, you probably recognize the people on the left. That's Betty and I. And, uh, and just to give you a sense of how many years ago this was, Betty was pregnant with Christian, who's 23 years old now. So now we, that was 23 years ago. And uh, those people on the right are good friends of ours, Ron and Karen Gottschalk. And, uh, and the reason I want to show you this picture is because... We were together in the 1980s in this weird new thing that our church had never done before called a small group. We had never been part of a church that had small groups, and we didn't know what small groups were. We thought you went to a Bible class, which meant you sat in a classroom and the pastor taught and you sat there, right, and learned, kind of like going to school. But, but our church started this new thing that they called small groups, and what that meant was we would all gather, these weren't in people's homes, we actually did them at church, but we would gather together and you'd spend about half an hour kind of going over your homework from, from the previous week that you had done, and then you went to a half hour lecture by one of the pastors, um, and then after that, you had about an hour to discuss what you had heard in the lecture and, and, and dive deeper into God's word that had been talked about together, and then in theory, you were supposed to be done. But, but the Godshocks and Betty and I were never done, right? We, we'd, we'd like do the half hour, then we'd go to the lecture, then we'd do the hour, and then we'd like, I want to talk about this more. So we'd go get pizza and beer together like every week, right? And, and that, that small group time that we had, which was, again, something brand new. I had never been part of a church small group like that. I could tell you that, that God used that time dramatically in my life. My faith grew more 
through that small group together than anything else I had ever done as a part of church. And I was a Lutheran school teacher at this point. I had gone to a Lutheran college. I had, I had grown up in the church. But it was that small group that God used to grow my faith dramatically. In fact, I'm convinced I wouldn't be a pastor today if it isn't for what God did in me uh, through that time together. And by the way, the Gottschalks have, have remained close friends of ours. They're Christians' godparents, and, uh, and, and we still, they live out in the wilds of Rockford now, so we don't see them as much as we would like. But, uh, but just close friends in the Lord. So what is it about this small group thing, and why do we do them? Well, first of all, in the very beginning, when God first creates human beings, we're told that God decides he's made all the other animals and fish and all birds and everything, but when it comes to making human beings, God says, let us make mankind in our image. In other words, we're created to be more like God than everything else. Now, now, first of all, who is God talking to in this little quote? Well, we know as we study the rest of Scripture that it, this is the Trinity, this is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, existing before time in this relationship of three persons, we say, yet one God. And, uh, and so when God creates human beings, he decides to expand that circle of relationship of Father, Son, and Spirit and invite human beings to also be in relationship with God and with one another. In other words, we were created for relationship. So when Jesus calls his disciples, did you notice, I asked you at the beginning, what's the first thing he asked them to do? Well, look at it. He says, Jesus chose 12 and called them to be apostles, and then what does it say he called them to do? To simply be with him. That was the first thing. Now, the second thing is he's going to send them out to preach, but the first thing he calls them to do is to simply be with him. And they were together with Jesus for three years. And as we study his ministry, we see this cycle where he calls them to be with him, and then he scatters them. He sends them out to do ministry, and then he, they come back to be with him, and then they go out to do ministry. And kind of that pattern that we try to emulate when we gather together in small group, and then we go out to live out our faith, and then we come back together again to study and to support one another. That's the pattern that Jesus established from the very beginning. And we heard about it in Mark chapter 6, a few chapters later, how he sends out his followers. But did you notice what it says? He not only sends them out to do things like preach and to cast out demons and to heal sick people, but he sent them out two by two. Now, it would have made more sense to send 12 of them to 12 different cities. They could have got more done, right? But no. Jesus knows that when we are together in relationship, it's better. So he sends them out two by two. We were created for relationship. Now, there's this uh, cool book I read uh, a few years ago called Bowling Alone, um, and it charts the death of bowling leagues. Now, I don't know, any of you still bowl in a bowling league? Yeah, you do. You're, you're like one of the ones at the very bottom of the right of that chart right there. Not many people do anymore. There was this rise in popularity of bowling leagues up to about 1970, a little before that, and then the decline began until there's almost nobody that still bowls in a bowling league anymore. Now, now the book wasn't really about bowling leagues. What the book was about is this loss of community that we have in our society, and, and he charts in there the, the, the loss of community in so many ways. 
You know, there was a time when like unions and workplace groups um, met after work and, and there was a lot of community to be had at work other than just work hours. Well, that's virtually gone these days. Uh, there was a time when there were political and nonprofit groups that met regularly. There was a lot of those kind of action groups that met. And while obviously people are still active politically, it's not the same kind of group that used to happen. Things like moose lodges and VFWs are closing left and right. And uh, he points out that religious organizations are seeing declines in membership. People just don't join and get gathered together nearly as much as they used to anymore. He also talks about the fact that even um, informal social connections have been greatly reduced in our society. Uh, do you guys know who this guy is, Sebastian Maniscalco? He's a comedian. If you've never seen him, he's hilarious. Um, I, you should all go home this afternoon and Google his name with the word doorbell. Because he does this little routine, it's, it's like 15 minutes long, it's hilarious. And, and I'm not a stand-up comic, but let me give you a little sense of what he's talking about. He's talking about this kind of loss of community. And uh, specifically, he's talking about what happens when someone rings your doorbell now versus 20 years ago. He says, 20 years ago, when your doorbell would ring, if you were at home with your family, maybe watching TV, the doorbell rings, everybody jumped up and they were like, hey, there's somebody at the door. And they all like ran to the door to see who it was. And they'd open the door and they'd go, hey, look, we got company. And, uh, you know, and, and people would say, what are you doing here? And he said, well, we were just in the neighborhood. We thought we'd stop by. Well, great, come on in. And he said, mom would have a, like a Sarah Lee crumble cake ready just in case company came, right? And if the kids tried to eat it, she'd slap their hands and say, no, no, that's for company. But he says, now, now if the doorbell rings, it's like this. Everybody get down. <laughs> and he says, you turn off the lights and you hide behind the sofa and your mom's doing the military crawl across the floor so no one can see, right? He's right, isn't he? The fact is, even our informal social interactions don't happen nearly like they used to in our society. But he does say that there's some sources of this. He says, first of all, it's the pace of our life. It's the amount of hours we work. It's the technology that keeps us connected. I have hundreds of friends on Facebook, but that doesn't mean I actually ever see them face to face, right? But he says there's some deeper problems going on too. There's a, a loss of reciprocity and honesty and trust in our society. I mean, that's why you hide when the doorbell rings, because you're not sure who it is and you're not sure you want to see him, right? The fact is, there are lots of factors that have contributed to a loss of community in our society, a loss of relationship. It's just harder to have relationships with other people these days. But in his book, he says there's hope. There's a movement that is happening in our country, and he describes it this way. Remember, this guy's a social scientist. He's not writing about churches. He says 40% of Americans claim to be in a small group that meets regularly and provides support or caring for those who participate in it. In other words, what he says is there's this new phenomenon in our society where people are intentionally making small groups so that they intentionally develop relationships. We shouldn't be surprised because that's what Jesus did when he called his disciples, right? He created a small group, 12 people, that he could spend three years with, helping them grow and, and to not only know him, but to know one another and helping them grow more like Jesus. There was a study done by Lifeway Research a few years ago that, that they studied a, a 
a number of people that were at church and people that were connected in a small group and people that weren't connected in a small group. And here's what they found. They found if you're in a small group, you are four times more likely to study the Bible than people who aren't in a small group. They found you're almost two times more likely to pray for other Christians if you're in a group than if you're not. You are almost twice more likely to confess your sins to God if you're in a group than if you're not. You are two times more likely to think about biblical truths just like during the week while you're doing things, while you're facing challenges. You're two times more likely to think, well, what does the Bible say about this if you're in a small group? You're three times more likely to be helping someone else grow in their faith if you are connected in a small group. And finally, you're almost two times more likely to pray for those who are far from God if you're connected in a group than if you're not. In other words, if you're in a group, you are more growing more like Jesus than if you're not. Pastor Ed Stetzer said it this way. He said, the research is compelling. God is using groups to bring about transformation in the lives of his people. If you can force yourself to look at the stats for a moment, you'll be struck with how significant biblical community is to the life of a believer. Let's go back to those giant sequoia trees for a minute. You know that they get huge. I mean, giant sequoias can grow three to 400 feet tall. They can grow 41 feet across diameter. That's how big some of those trunks can be. Um, there's, there's one giant sequoia tree that they estimate weighs over 2 million pounds and has over 2 billion leaves just on that one tree. They are huge. You know the number one cause of death for a giant sequoia? Because see, the reason they get huge is they just keep growing their whole life. And they can be two to 3,000 years old. But you know why they finally die? They fall. They get so heavy, they can't support their own weight, and they fall. But it's pretty amazing that they can grow to even those heights of, you know, 400 feet tall, 41 feet across. How do they possibly stand? Well, it's interesting. You see, most trees have roots that look something like this, where the root system has a tap root that goes down deep, and the, and the roots spread out deep into the soil. In fact, I remember when I used to teach biology, I would teach that for most trees, when you look at the tree, it's like there's a whole other tree below the ground in its root system. That's how big the root system is. But you know what? Not with giant sequoias. Their roots are shallow. They only go down 10 to 12 feet. So here's the question. If they grow 400 feet tall and their roots only go down 10 to 12 feet, how do they stay standing up that long at all? And the fact is they grow together. They grow near other giant sequoia trees. And in fact, their roots actually intertwine with each other and connect with one another. So they're really not just depending on their own root system to stand, but they're depending on the root system of all the other trees around them. You almost never find a giant sequoia by itself anywhere. If you do, it's fallen down normally long before it got tall. And not only that, the roots not only grab onto one another to help them stand up, the roots actually merge together so that they can actually share nutrients from one tree to the other tree to the other. It can actually rain on one side of a giant sequoia forest and all the trees will benefit from the moisture as they just share across that incredible root system. Folks, I think that's a beautiful picture for what the Christian life is supposed to be like. If we're going to grow more like Jesus, the way that happens, the way we stand is by being connected with others, by sharing life together with others. Look at this verse. 
The writer to the Colossians says it this way. He says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will go strong in the truth you were taught. And, uh, and by the way, the, the, the author here isn't saying let you and let you and let you. It, he's using the plural here. In other words, he's saying all y'all let your roots grow together. It, it's a picture of growth that happens together in the family of God. Folks, there's a reason why we're always encouraging you to get connected in a small group, and now's another great time to do that. You can, we'll talk about it later in the service. You can get connected in a group because we know that's the way God created life to be, and if you want to grow more like Jesus, it happens best in community with others the way God designed it. Amen. Let's stand and respond to God's word by singing our message hymn.